You're listening to Symmetry Health 360. This episode is brought to you by Afia, a symmetry company. Today's episode is hosted by Melanie Elliott, Vice President Analytics Strategy, and her guest, Chris Akerley, co-founder and managing partner. Our topic today is It Takes a Village, aggregating data across providers for insights, advocacy, and value-based contracting. Over to you, Melanie. Thanks so much, Susan. Hey, Chris. I'm so glad that you're going to be here talking with everybody about it really taking a village to put all this data together. What I want to first do is tell them a little bit about you. So you've been in the industry of healthcare for quite a long time, and more recently, probably the last five or six years, focusing on analytics. Can you tell them a little bit about your experience and what you've been doing? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, started in behavioral healthcare 15 years ago, really kind of on a mission to revolutionize how we use technology in the industry. And I came from the financial services world. There was all this advanced technology and really wanted to bridge that gap to what was available in the behavioral healthcare world. But this was 2007. Folks were on paper. There weren't everybody on an EHR. So the things that we did to try to help the industry to start was, were EHR selections and implementations and really getting people to use the systems to support workflows. And you know, how do we use technology to just make things better for providers and, and patients and everyone? And so then that took us on over the years, we did infrastructure around servers and cloud hosting and some less technology focused things around clinical optimizations and financial optimizations. And then that culminated in, as you said, the last five or six years, we really started building this analytics platform because now there was more data than people could make sense of. And so the reason why that journey is so important is because it wasn't just the data. It was all about learning how these practices work and what's useful and you know, how we can then take the analytics and do something meaningful in the real world. So that's sort of journey that we've been on over the last 15 years. And um, you know, really excited to talk some more about sort of the next phase of not just one organization at a time, but how could multiple organizations come together and find these insights. Yes, great. Thank you. And I know you have a lot of learnings to bear in this conversation, so it'll be great. So we're seeing a lot of movement from different groups of providers, entire states, associations, and things like that. And they really want to start creating these large-scale data warehouses to gain insights. But sometimes it's from single sets of data. Sometimes it's from data from multiple providers. Can you tell me what are you seeing and hearing? And is that ringing true for you? Yeah, absolutely. So the Kind of what I've been thinking about along these lines is you know, the days of anecdotal data to prove points to legislators or payers or whoever, those days are over. You know, we really need data to prove patterns and to show effectiveness at scale. And so now if you think about wanting to do that, if you only have one organization's data, that's only so effective as well. So, so what we're seeing are a, a number of groups recognizing that, coming together and saying, we don't want to show patterns for just me, I want to show you that this is a pattern for all of us, either in a state or in a region, um, in a provider network. And so that, that really helps them then manage risk because they can see how they compare. They can do lobbying for legislature and, and other and payers and that kind of thing. And if nothing else, just knowing how you compare. You know, these are kinds of benchmarks in behavioral health that are tough to get. You know, if you Google a certain kind of no-show benchmark or whatever it might be, you might get something for general healthcare, but you're not necessarily getting the behavioral health care population. So being able to identify those best practices and how you're doing compared to your peers, then really being able to leverage that for value-based contracts. That's, you know, we've been talking about value-based contracts for a long time. It's really starting to come to fruition and having these provider networks that can enter into these risk agreements together. We're seeing just a lot of movement on that. Oh, for sure. 
So let's say they do want to start engaging. Maybe they don't have one yet, but they want a value-based contract. Walk us through how this works. Like, how do they get together? Who participates? What do they need to do? And who owns the data? Yeah, so really important questions. And so how it works is the first thing is there's got to be a group of providers that are willing and interested to share data at some level. These are providers within a certain health network. If um, they're maybe in a certain region or in a certain state, maybe they have a shared payer that they're working toward. Just, you know, really providers who share similar services and similar populations. Because one of the things that we think about as we're putting this data together too, trying to make it apples to apples, is we've seen some places where all this data goes in and we go to compare it, but maybe it's providers that serve children versus providers who serve adults or providers who have office-based services versus community-based services. And those are really different benchmarks and metrics. So making sure that you can share data with folks who have some similar characteristics is, is really important. And then sort of how that works. And so you've got your group, everybody's, you know, signed all the right agreements and it's all, you know, it's all protected. And so then how it kind of works from there is we go grab the data from all kinds of different sources. It could be an EHR, could be spreadsheets, that type of thing. But the key is to really, you've got all these folks, you want to have data that you can compare to each other. So it's got to be comparable. So um, instead of having every agency do their own transformations and sending it into us, we go grab the raw data and then make sure we consistently transform it. Um, that So that can give us the apples to apples look at it. And I think you mentioned who kind of owns the, the data. So of course, the agencies own the data. It's their records. They, of course, own all that. Most EHR vendors have some sort of way to extract that data. They know that that's the provider's data for reporting and all kinds of other things. So that there's some way to go pull that. And then once you then aggregate the data, that aggregated data is owned typically by whatever the, the entity is that's brought everybody together. If that's a provider network or an association or that aggregated data is, is really theirs. And so that also just a, a side note with that and a really important part of this is all the data governance. You know, who can access it, who can use it, who can join the group, how does it get shared, what's shared, what's not shared. So really important foundational principles to add to the group once it comes together. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And so help the audience understand. So there is an aggregate data source. It's kind of a repository from data from other people, and it's called a health information exchange or an HIE. We know that this is not an HIE, but why not? What's unique about it? It's a kind of a tough distinction to describe because HIEs are well established about what an HIE is, but then this thing that we're doing, it's kind of new. And so there aren't the same shortcut terms to it. So, but really the difference is the HIE is really about gathering all the information about a single patient or consumer or client so that everybody who serves that client can see the full picture of the client, all the lab results from here and all the visits from here and all the immunizations from there. Like, let's make sure we understand the whole patient when we go to serve that person. In the kind of aggregate warehouse we're talking about, that identifiable client-level data isn't shared. So there might be some patient matching and that kind of thing, but really the goal is more of a global understanding. It's what does our census look like? How are we doing on certain kinds of measures like HEDIS measures and CCBAC measures? How are we progressing as a group with follow-up after hospitalization? Or how much telehealth are we using? 
those kinds of things. And then also sharing best practices. So, you know, we have sessions all the time with folks who are, we'll get everybody's metrics up and say, organization one looks like this, organization two looks like this. How did you get there? What are you doing? Oh, yeah, we have a central person that follows up with everybody, or we're sending these dashboards out and reports and that type of thing. Oh, we'll, we'll give that a try. And then we see the numbers move as people try things. So, so that's really a, a key part of it. And then, you know, some of the questions that we also get around this are, you know, it sounds like you're sharing data, like how does that fit with HIPAA? And it's all kind of well within the bounds of HIPAA. It's because, as I mentioned before, it's de-identified data. So we make sure that we can't trace back to an individual client. We might have that data at that level so we can reconstitute it in different ways, but we're not sharing Joe Smith's name and date of birth and all of that, that identifiable information. It's, it's really de-identified and then, then aggregated. So. You know, and then as we think about that difference then between the HIE and this thing that we're describing, this aggregate network, it's really kind of a, a unique data set. There's claims, you know, payers have claims. They have all the claims data that they could want. The HIE has all the individual transactions. But once this comes together, it's really data about things that can drive insights around cost per client and and rate setting, and you know, you'd be combining data from all these different sources about the business of, of running these practices, and then again, sharing those best practices about how to do that. So it's a, it, while it feels very similar on the surface, it's actually a quite distinct purpose. And we actually tap into HIE too and go pull that data because it can be really valuable data. So it's not one or the other for sure. It's complementary kinds of um, systems. Tired of navigating the complex and confusing world of healthcare on your own? Look to the behavioral health experts at AFIA, a symmetry company. Our team of experienced healthcare consultants will guide you through the process of finding and managing the technology and service your organization needs to deliver exceptional care. Our services include healthcare consulting, IT management and optimization, data analytics, and more. No matter the size of your organization, we are committed to creating custom-tailored solutions so you can make data-informed decisions, drive growth, provide purpose, and predict the future. At AFIA, we believe that everyone deserves access to high-quality healthcare. Let us help you create streamlined and optimized processes to give your patients the highest quality of care. Visit us at afiahealth.com. That's A-F-I-A health.com to learn more about how we can help your organization thrive. Yeah, you hit on a lot of good things. I mean, like you mentioned, you know, they seem probably are more open to sharing those best practices, like you said, because it's apples to apples. And, you know, I just wanted to add a point to what you were saying, because, you know, you're grabbing that data from the electronic health record and putting it together, but that's really unique too, right? Because in other systems like HIEs and things like that, they don't have access usually to like non-billable services and maybe, you know, some other patient outcomes other than, like you said, labs and things. So that seems really unique in and of itself as well. Yeah, that's a great point because HIE is a very tough thing to pull together. So this is not knocking the HIEs, but they are also very sort of medically focused. So they're going to get the standard blood pressure and that kind of thing. So PHQ-9s are not going to necessarily go into an HIE. DLA-20s, like you said, non-billable kinds of notes. There's a lot of work that happens in a behavioral health practice that, at least for now, is not going to be a part of the HIE. So that also adds another element of unique data that that we can tap into with an aggregate warehouse that you wouldn't have in an HIE. So that's an excellent, yeah. excellent point. 
Well, okay. So now let's get down to like the basics, the brass tacks of this all, right? You've got, let's say, a state provider network association, whomever it is, they've got, let's say, 30 providers. They're on various different vendors and things like that. How do you get that together? How do you make it happen and successful and have positive outcomes and data that they can use for insights? I mean, it's a arduous task. You know, it's not something that happened overnight. We've spent tens of thousands of hours doing this and making sure we can do it well. And one of the goals that we set out on too is to really reduce the lift on the part of the agencies that we're working with. They're all very busy. They've got other priorities and things. So we didn't want them to have to make extracts from their system, maintain those extracts and send it out. So part of what we would suggest if you're doing this kind of thing is just make it automated. So yes, we want to make it automated. We want to go pull the raw data. We want the transformations to happen in a central place so that everybody's not doing their own transformations and you get this. It's not even apples to apples. It's like apples to hot dogs or something, right? It's just completely different data, even though it looks like it should be the same. It's really not comparable. So we've spent a lot of time, we have a standard model. So even no matter what the source of the system is, we've spent a lot of time saying, these dates, are they really the same thing? This service code, is it really the same thing? Let's go grab standard sets of data, either for diagnosis or for CPT codes or whatever it might be. So we spend a lot of our time thinking about, is this really the same thing so that we can be confident when we push the data out that it, uh, it, it's really the same. You know, and the other thing just about the idea of more real-time kind of data, it's just the idea that it's timely. One of the ways that associations get this kind of information today is they do surveys, they just ask questions. And so they want an answer about something like telehealth and they send out and ask all their providers and then they wait for the answer to come back and then they get all these different answers. So the idea that in near real time, you can get the answers to all these things across multiple agencies to then go have a conversation about telehealth use in a state. That's really some of the value of it. I started laughing when you said, you know, apples to hot dogs. Um, I ran, as you know, a national behavioral health benchmarking program. And I used to call it apples to gorillas, you know, because it was, right. like, <laughs> it was, they grabbed their data, they manipulated themselves, they handed it in. And like you said earlier too, not only was the data not necessarily apples to apples, but the services were different. The timeframes, even though they were supposed to be the same, were different. And it wasn't their fault. They were doing the best job they could getting those data in, but it was incredibly manual. And in the end of the day, we couldn't compare in many of the places. So great points that you're making and being able to have that so robust real time and being able to drill down for that source of truth is amazing. So obviously you and I know there's tons of value in the aggregate data. And a lot of the agencies and the associations and the payers know that too. Individual organizations, they know that there's information in their own data, but aside from maybe best practices, what are the other things that are like really great about participating in an aggregate data warehouse project that an individual organization would gain? Well, if you're going to undertake this, a big thing would be don't make the aggregate this thing that's over here that's separate from everything else I do. So the way we go about doing it is we have each organization has their own little secure pod <laughs> that has their data in it, and it can function as their enterprise data warehouse. You know, we're already extracting all this data. Why not make use of it, put a BI tool over it, and then now you can run your business day-to-day -day operations off of that. 
but we've also standardized all that data across all these pods. And so that's when we funnel the data together for an aggregate. Just from a pure architecture standpoint, don't make people do things twice and, and give them that double value out of it so that they can have their own business operations and get that data. And then once you have that data, there's all of the benefits of having a data warehouse for being able to monitor your KPIs and drive performance within your own organization. You might have your own payer contracts and you want to make sure you can get paid for those services and understanding how the rates work and, and all that sort of thing. We have these conversations where we'll show the aggregate data and how, okay, we're, how are we doing on follow-up after hospitalization? Maybe there's certain agencies that are doing better or worse than others, and they can go right to that same data that's theirs, that's identifiable and all that. And it's a mirror image just with more information in it. So they can go like, well, there's five cases that we haven't followed up with yet. That's driving this number in the aggregate. Let me go do something about it as opposed to completely disjointed systems. Mm -hmm. So that's how we go about making sure that the individual agencies get value is it's not just about this aggregate data over here. There's also something really personal in it for them. Yeah, absolutely. And related to that, I was listening to another podcast, the one that Kathy did on the CCBHCs. And she was talking about all the benefit of the outcomes and things like that and the societal benefit. Can you talk a little bit about that too? I mean, that's a big piece that we can get out, even if they're not already collecting it or ready for it, right? What, what's that impetus and how does that benefit that way? Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, I think we all, for in this industry, we're probably doing it because we want to see real impact to real people in the real world. So being able to use this aggregate data and your individual data to show those client outcomes, show that here are the improvements we're seeing really at scale across the whole network, and then reducing costs, reducing homelessness, increasing employment, improving health. And we really want to see those things happen and have the data to prove that that's happening so that it's not just anecdotal. You know, we, you mentioned Kathy, she has this great term of like, it feels like, you know, we, we do that a lot where... You don't want to just say it feels like we are reducing costs or increasing employment. You want to see it, that it's really happening. And where is it happening and how is it happening so that you can take real action on it? Yeah, that's great. And I know you and I have also seen agencies who weren't quite ready, you know, to get there, actually do that and start collecting things in a more scaled way. Like you said, that's really good. I know we only have a, a few more minutes, but what I want to do is kind of just have you kind of summarize when is it the right time for an organization, association to come together and build a warehouse and what's your advice to them? Well, it is one of these things where you kind of need to get going on it before you need it. You need some time under your belt to mature with it, understand how to use it, get everybody kind of up to speed on it. You know, we have one group that's coming together as an integrated network. The warehouse came before the network. And what that's doing is allowing the network to be at the table with certain payers that they maybe wouldn't have gotten that seat at before. We've got another group that's a more mature network, but they haven't had the data to manage the contracts. And so they're you know getting in with it now to, to be able to see these insights and understand costs and outcomes and that kind of thing. We're talking to other groups that are really just more focused on lobbying and, and policy. But in all of those cases, you know, getting started as early as possible. There's just a level of trust that needs to get built. There's all these ground rules and how we're going to share. All of those things can get started now without spending a single technology dollar. You can really get going on thinking about these things. And then laying all the plumbing. So to do this in the real time with everybody getting the benefits, it just takes some time to get that first, you know, it's hard enough sometimes to get reporting going on a single agency. So you can imagine it's difficult 
across agencies. So just getting that single piece of data that's shared and consistent across everybody, even if the goal is CCBHCs down the road, just that first piece of data can be really valuable in and of itself. Um, so yeah, so getting started kind of right away so that you're ready when you need it. That's really the, the key. Um, and you mentioned any sort of last advice as we wrap up here. I think it's, like I said, just get started talking about it now. I think if you have partners, you're in a clinically integrated network or some other kind of provider network, or you're a state association or whatever it is, just start talking about this idea. What, what value could we get and how would it go about it if we, we were to share these insights? I think that's, that's a big one. And then, I mean, another one is just perseverance. This is not an easy thing. We've had some of the champions that we have for some of this that started this maybe four years ago. And there have been times over that four-year process where there were doubts and questions and headwinds to overcome. But she kept going on that. And uh, so now they're in a really great spot. This is the, the group that is, is it's kind of at the table now where they might not have been. I mean, without her leadership on that, it, it wouldn't have happened. So sometimes even when it seems like there's a lot of headwinds, you should really just keep going and do it. And the last thing is I would say is just make sure you'd be flexible with it. So there might be a really specific thing in front of you right now, let's say CCBHCs. And so if you build out a platform that's just about CCBHC, but then the next thing becomes about, you know, you really need to understand cost or you need to integrate with an HIE or other kinds of social determinants of health systems and things like that. You want to make sure you've got a platform that can really do that and not lock you into one specific set of calculations or views. Because what we found is once this tool was in place, some of the things that we thought we were going to do didn't become the things that we did because there was a much more important business case in front of us. So you just want to make sure that it's all driven by some value that either patients or providers or staff are going to get and that you can turn when you need to and you're not locked into something. Yeah, that's a good point in our industry. You're not kidding. It changes just about every day. So great point. And it sounds like too, whether it's a FIA, whether it's somebody else, talking with someone who's done it before, having them help oh, you yeah. plan and, and being there with you to build it alongside sounds like really yeah. the best plan. So a lot of lessons learned over the, the years <laughs> we've been doing it. So yeah, if, that, if we could help, anybody could help folks kind of advance the needle on that. I definitely agree. Great. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate your insights on this. And for those of you guys listening at home, find us in your favorite podcast app for more episodes. Thanks, Valerie.